Well, good morning. Good to see you. All right, why don't we stand and I will pray us in here. So God, I just thank you for each one here right now and those people online too. God, I just ask that you would move, that God, you would break down things we've been thinking that maybe aren't true and show us what is, um, whether it's how you see us or something else that we need, God. We just thank you that you're personal and that you give us every tool we need. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Thirsty, all you weary, come journey to the holy city, for the Lord dwells here. Every sin and every sorrow, washed away in his new tomorrow, and our hearts will cry. Holy, holy to
sing that name Jesus, that scripture tells us that there's power with that name. But it's not like these letters are just formed in the perfect way, that there's something magic that happens when those letters fit together. When we say that there's power in the name of Jesus, it's because of the work of the person of Jesus. So his life, death, and resurrection give his name power in our lives. So when we're instructed to pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying the miracles that he, he did on earth. We're praying that that would take place in our lives. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying the peace of Jesus in our lives. We can go on and on of all the works that he did on earth. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying that that be done. But this next song we're gonna sing is gonna be a new one, and it goes a step further. Not only are we singing and speaking the name of Jesus over our own lives, but we wanna speak that over others too. We wanna speak that peace and healing and freedom over the lives of, of our family, of our friends, of our neighbors, of our community, of people we don't even know. But that's what we're called to do. We're, we were blessed so that we could be a blessing. We love because he first loved us. So when, when we sing this new song, when, whenever you catch on, just be reminded that we're speaking this name of Jesus for ourselves, absolutely. But don't stop there. We're speaking this over our community as well. So sing this song when you catch on to it. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power Your name is healing your name is life. Break every strong, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all to every soul out captive by depression, oh, I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is love. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is love. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows 
said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. So good to be together, to, to be in this room together. Maybe you're joining us online. We're so excited to start off our year the right way, the right way where we're focusing together towards Jesus. And every, every time we gather, we pause because we know that in a group this size, that there are probably some of you who are coming in who you didn't have the best week, that you might be carrying something in. And as the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, what we want to say to you every single week is we see you and we're around you, that no, no person should have to go through life alone. And that's what Jesus, Jesus gave us each other. And so we give everyone the chance, if you're, if you're feeling a heaviness walking in here this morning, just to take a seat so that other people within our church can come around you, whether it's physically or symbolically and stretch out a hand, just to let you know you are not alone. And so if you want to, you can take a seat right now. Other people will come around you. And together, we lift up our voices as we pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you today that we pause on the first day of the week, seeking you, asking for help, asking for guidance, asking Holy Spirit for you to put something inside of us that we can't manufacture on our own. And I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that, that whether they're watching online or whether we're in the room together, that none of us are here by accident, that you have something that you want to give us. You have a word that you wanna speak over us. And so we just give you permission to do that. We pray that you would speak in a way that we can understand. Help us, God, live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And we don't just pray for ourselves. We know that you've sent us as the church into a hurting and broken world to be your hands and feet, Jesus. And so we pray for every expression of the local church. Specifically this morning, we lift up Life Church in Grand Haven. God, would your presence be with them this morning? Would you be in the midst of them? Would you give them clear direction and encouragement to go out in our community and to love people well? We don't just pray for our, our own communities, but we pray for the world, that you're doing incredible ministry and work all throughout the world. And we pray for our Turkic Arabic directors, our partners to the global arm of the Wesleyan Church. We pray that you'd be with them this morning, that you would encourage them, that even though they're a world away, God, you are in the midst of them doing incredible things. Would you give them exactly what they need to, to share with people of the good news of Jesus Christ? 
God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and open up our minds for the word that you have for us today. And we promise to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And somebody said, amen and amen. Well, if you're in the house, you can take a seat. So glad that you're here. So glad that we all get to be together. And man, I am so excited. I wanna give a shout out to those of you who are joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Come on, church, can you show some of our new guests some love? We're so glad you're here. So glad you chose to join us. We would love to get to know you a little bit better. We actually have a gift for you in the lobby at our connection point that we would like to put in your hands just for being with us today. We'd also love to, if you want to, um, connect with us through our online connection card. There's a QR code in the seat back in front of you, or at all times you can go to allshores.org. There's a button that you can click that says connect, and it gives us your name, info, and it's just our way of being able to follow up and get to know you a little better. Um, if, you're, if you have questions or wanna get plugged in, we can help you with that too. Today, uniquely after this service, in West 200, so through those doors, if you keep going, hang a left. We actually have kind of a new guest event where you get to meet some of our team. We got some coffee, some treats, um, and just a way for us to introduce ourselves, to get to know you a little bit, and if there's any way that we can help, you plug in if you're wanting to. And so that happens immediately after this service, around like 12:15. If you want to join us, we'd love to have you for that and meet you in that way. We also use this part of the service, just like we worship through song, just like we worship through prayer, we worship every Sunday through giving. That we believe that everything that God has given us is ultimately his. And so as followers of Jesus, we give back a portion of that so that together we can do so much more for his name than any of us could ever do apart. And so if you want to join us in that today, we'd love for you to do that. The ways to give are on the screen behind me or there are boxes in our lobby that are hanging on the wall that you can join us in that too. And we just say thank you so much for your generosity and for your heart of giving. We have a great rest of our service plan today. We are kicking off a brand new series called 21 Days of Prayer. Why don't we turn our eyes to the screen? We don't want you to miss what we have coming up these next few weeks. Core. When you hear the word core, I wonder what comes to mind. For me, it's just simply the center of whatever it is you're talking about. Also, what I love about the core and the idea with fruit is that there's seedlings in it. In other words, the core isn't just the essence of the one, it's what's created from it to bring more and more life, which as a part of the church family is a great image. On Monday, January 16th, we're gonna have a core night. We live in a culture that is constantly criticizing, critiquing, tearing down, separating, always evaluating what's wrong and what's different. And a core night is a night to come together as a church, as a family, a new kind of family, and be encouraged, inspired, hopefully ignited for how God has something for each one of us, each one of you, that we're all central, all central to his very mission, his life, his love, that he wants to deeply know you, he wants to deeply give purpose to you. It doesn't matter age, phase, any of those things in life, God, wants us to be part of his family together. Would you join me on Monday, January 16th at six o'clock at our Spring Lake campus for what I promise will be an inspiring evening together. God, I am reminded of how you've been present in my life. 
in both the ups and the downs. As I have thought about the ways you have comforted me, showered me with your love, my heart is filled with thankfulness. Help me to not forget how you have always been present in every situation. In this next season, I am asking that you create within me a greater dependence on you, that I would hunger and thirst for your presence, that I would grow in my connection with you and with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome those joining us online, all of you here at our Spring Lake campus as well. We're entering into what we're calling a season of 21 days of prayer. Today introduces it, tomorrow those days begin. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to pray that we always do, asking you to ask God to speak. Before we do that, though, <clears throat> I simply want to give thanks to you uh, as we've come through this Christmas season. And obviously as we got through it, we also experienced a blizzard, which made it quite interesting, didn't it? And, you know, we got to those Christmas Eve times, and the first day when we were supposed to be in Coopersville, it was the worst day, and so we decided to not have the service out there, which was the right thing to do. I'm just always grieved because it means we miss out. There's so many people that join us on those days, so that it was both understandable and sad. And then Christmas Eve, we have actually were able to have our services both here and in Muskegon. And one of the things I was so grateful for was the mix of people that we saw that evening. And everybody almost seemed like they were just glad we were together. Like there was a gratitude. Oh, I'm so glad we can be together for this time. And I saw people I hadn't seen in a decade that were kind of re-engaging in the life of the church. I saw people I've never met before, whether from families and extended family or people that were just kind of engaging for the first time through all of your invitation and your life of reaching out. And God moved among us. And we are so grateful for the lives that are transformed, for our own encouragement in it and what it means. So I don't want to miss, let's give thanks in that. And as a part of that, we on Christmas Eve receive an offering that we give away completely. It goes globally, regionally, and locally. We split it in three uh, areas for three very particular needs. And I want you to know that we, we, the year we started this was a year we were behind on budget. And we sensed God say, trust me, just do this. Whether it goes, and, and so we started that way. And this year, as many of you know, we're, we've been significantly behind, over a couple hundred thousand dollars behind on our regular budget. And we just said, you know what, we've got to do this. This is who we are. Whatever it means we get, this is who we are. And so first of all, I just want to give thanks because you on Christmas Eve collectively raised $54,000 that we get to disperse. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's places we get to contact and say, listen, this is going to change the trajectory of your church. We can help you do things you have. And this is going to change the trajectory of our movements around the world and even locally with people in need. How great. I also want to let you know that just for our own peace in the midst of where we were, we were over 200,000 behind, which was larger than we've been most years. Uh, and through your giving, even last week, I think our, our offering last week was about 150-some thousand. We're back down now to about 80,000 behind. That is amazing. Yeah. 
And so while I can't take all the time to give thanks I'd like to, I want you to know we have been thanking God. Every week when we, rec when we receive the news of what we receive, I stop and I just thank God that you've entrusted us with everything you have. And I'm always reminded it's not just the money, it's the resources of staff, it's the resources of people and all of you who serve and engage that I'm always so grateful and we want to manage so well everything God entrusts to us. So I didn't want to miss giving thanks for that today and continuing to ask him to lead us because that's the beauty. It's not like one thing happens and everything changes. We always want to depend and rest in him, don't we? So I want to invite you now before we open the scriptures together, just pray in the quiet. Whether you're here, whether you're online and you're in a place of doubt, skepticism, maybe even disheartened, hey, you bring that to God and be honest. Maybe you're a follower and it's even moving in a good direction. You're growing closer. Life is more alive. Give thanks and ask for more of that. Maybe you're somewhere in between, whether you're moving in a bad direction or a good one or just stuck. Just be honest. Ask God to meet you today. You pray in the quiet and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I, I thank you with everyone here, the way you have been providing and the way you continue to provide. I thank you for the resources we get to disperse and the lives that will be changed from it. And simply ask that we'll always be and increasingly be a church that generously gives away. In the same way, I thank you for the way you have been providing and we simply ask you to continue to lead and provide and help us steward well everything entrusted to us. And Lord, now as we open the scriptures, I pray that anything I have to say that's not from you, it will fall to the ground and be forgotten. But I do pray that anything that's from you, God, would your spirit breathe life into us? Would your spirit help us, lead us, teach us, change us, and would you reveal Jesus to us individually and collectively in deeper, meaningful ways? Lord, I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions, please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen, which very simply means it's true. Well, so we're entering into 21 days. That actually begins tomorrow. This is an introduction to it, but we'll spend the next four Sundays beginning today teaching around it. We're going to be in one passage the whole time. But I want you just to consider your posture towards when we say we're entering into 21 days of prayer, what it's like. When you hear something like this, is it like something you long for, you can't wait for? Is it something you go, oh, no, I'm going to feel obligated? Or worst case, is it something you dread? Is it kind of like when a kid gets his first haircut? <laughs> Can you see how unhappy that little one is? Yep, that's me, by the way, in case you didn't know. Oh, thanks. So you went, what happened to you? This is what happens when you age. It's not pretty. This is what happened to make it better. I got a sucker. Here's what I want you to think about, first of all, is your posture may be all the way to negativity or obligation. And I want to tell you, even like what I hear, it's, it's a great thing what we're entering into. And I'm hoping by the end of our time today, you might be convinced. But I want you to see this picture for another reason. This is actually my grandfather, Frank Yoshanis. Frank, uh, he had several different jobs uh, in the course of his living in the States. He immigrated over here, I think around 1914. Uh, he and uh, his wife, Elizabeth, my grandmother, are both from, they came from Lithuania separately and they met each other in the States. But my grandpa had a very interesting story and a much different life, obviously, than 
I have grown up with coming from a different country. In fact, when he decided to leave and his brothers also came over separately, their father had come to the States and gone back and his dad told him, I'd rather have you die at my feet than go through what I went through. He hated coming here. So he went under duress a bit, I would tell you. And his life was very different. In fact, my grandpa, uh, just think of how different it is in Europe in general. Uh, he spoke five languages because he needed to know more languages where he lived in Lithuania. So he didn't know Polish and Lithuanian. Also knew uh, Russian because they were quite uh, oppressive at that time. German and then, um, and obviously English as he got here too. His life was very different. And when he and my grandmother came over and even the two of them were here, they were trying to preserve what they'd come with. But obviously our culture was very pushing away of that in that day. But here, here's what I want you to see even more. So uh, this right here, this right here was my grandpa's trunk. This is what he brought over from Lithuania. All he brought, I mean, obviously he brought stuff in it. But all he could do was bring what he had in that one piece of luggage. And I keep it in my office at home because it just kind of is a picture for me and a reminder. And I want you to just consider with me for a minute because the passage we're in is in Deuteronomy 8. Uh, it's actually a telling for Israel. It's kind of an encouragement. They're about to enter the promised land, but they've been in the desert for 40 years. And I want you to picture it this way. Just like my grandpa had to decide, what am I going to take with me? What's going to go with me to this new life? God's trying to help Israel understand what do you need to bring with you into this new land? What should you take with you? Now, my grandpa considered it from a physical perspective with the, the trunk, but I want you to see it as a metaphor. The same way it became very difficult for him to bring who he was to a new land, he kind of became like the new land. What does it mean for us? What do we learn from these Israelites of what God did in the desert that he wants them to take and bring with them from his relationship and their experience to this new land that will be very different. That's what we're going to look at over these four weeks is what basically Moses says to them from the Lord, here's what you need to bring with you as you enter this new land that's called the promised land. They go from desert and struggle to the land of having everything and promise. And by the way, in case you don't realize this, if you were to think of a land today that is kind of a promise, that offers everything you could imagine, you know that's our land, don't you? Like we live in the wealthiest time of history, in the wealthiest area of history, with the most advances to make our life easier and better. In its own way, you could say, in essence, we've been given much, right? So this is a place for us to explore what did God say to these Israelites in the desert, and what does he want to say to us today? And it will center us around prayer in these 21 days. Okay, that's where we're going. Today we're going to look at what specifically God's telling us to bring with us in the trunk of our lives to wherever we are, whenever we are, however we are. So we're taking it up in Deuteronomy 8. That's where we'll be for all four weeks, and we're just going to walk through the whole passage over the four weeks. We begin at verse 1. Moses says this, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. In other words, what he's about to tell them, he wants them to pay close attention to. He says, so that you may live and increase and may enter the land, enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. And, and maybe this is the simplest way to say it right now. When he says be careful to follow, he's saying pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you 
from this whole season of desert living that is really important to understand when you enter the season when you have more than you can imagine. Okay? That's where we're starting. And that's all he's telling us. Pay attention. I want you to see what God said. And, and I want you just to consider this. We'll talk about it a little more at the end. Do you think what he's saying is the land God's giving you to possess is the best thing? Like, is that what you assume? He's in the desert and eventually they have this great life. That's the best thing. Just ask yourself that question in your mind. Is it the best thing to live in this land of promise? We'll keep going. And over the four weeks, I think we'll find some interesting pieces about that. So we keep going, and now he's going to give them what to do. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. First thing he's telling us is to remember. Now, I want to be clear. I love the Hebrew in this way. It's, a, it's such a colorful language. It can have rich different meanings. So remember does mean to be mindful. In other words, don't forget the desert. That's what he's saying. But remember means something more. It means to make known. In other words, it means what you go through in the desert, you're supposed to remember and make known. In other words, you're to continue to carry it into the land of plenty. In, in a real simple way, it's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be reminded of what's made known. We're going to put that in the trunk, and we're taking that with us. And we're going to make it known. It means we're going to open that thing up again and again and again in the land of promise. That's what we're looking at. That's what he's saying. Remember this. And then he's reminding them, God was with you for 40 years and actually led you. Wasn't just with you, but he led you. So one of the pictures we have of this is a picture all through the Exodus where when Israel is in the wilderness, it says God during the day was a pillar of cloud that was over them and at night was a pillar of fire. Now this has multiple beautiful pictures to it. One is the pillar of cloud in the heat of a desert. What does a cloud do? It softens the heat, doesn't it? God's presence will cover you in the midst of this desert life. And then a pillar of fire, in case you don't know, the deserts actually get quite cold at night. It kind of warms you in the midst. So there's this practicality. God is both cloud and fire when you need that. But there's something much more, which is basically they knew if the cloud don't move, we don't move. And when the cloud gets going, we get going. That's being led. So what they learned in the desert in part was to become completely dependent on God to lead them moment by moment and day by day. Oh, come on, that's amazing, isn't it? Wouldn't you sometimes just like to go, would you just show up as a pillar of cloud and pillar of fire so I know what to do today? And I grant that it's not that simple, but it doesn't mean it's not something God wants to do. He does want to do this. He wants us to learn to be dependent on him and the desert begins to teach that. That's what he's saying here is he teaches you this. And then he gives you this picture to humble you and to test you. Now, we understand living in the desert itself <laughs> would be humbling, don't we? I mean, in the desert, there's no amenities. In the desert, there's no great things to look forward to. In the desert, you're not thinking, what's my future? You're just thinking, how do I get food and water today? And how do we survive? In the desert, you're humbled to your basic needs of life. And I want to be really clear about testing here. Because we often read this and just think God's going to kind of show what a mess we are. Which is true. We are a mess. 
But testing in the biblical mind is something much better than this. We get pictures of it in the New Testament, pictures like uh, this idea of being matured and tested where you take a beautiful metal and you refine it. You burn it into a hot temperature, which is a time of testing. And when you do that, all that's not good in it burns to the top and you scrape that off. And then what remains as the season of testing ends is a more pure piece of precious metal. The same way the Hebrew word for testing means to take you where you are and through the difficulty, God is elevating, he is maturing, he is growing us in this. Paul says it this way, that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and out of character you find hope and by the way, where there's hope, the spirit is present. In other words, God's presence is what we discover and depend on in the midst of humbling, humiliating, testing. Tell me that's not a great promise. And I want you just to consider in your own lives, do I have those situations maybe even going on now? We certainly have them in different phases. I wish we would just label the middle school years a severe time of testing. You see a middle schooler and you're just like, I'm just sorry. I mean, it's just rough, isn't it? The way, the way we judge each other at that age, the way we feel judged, every step we take, every laugh we hear, every circumstance, everything we're left out of. And now you don't even just get to go to school. You go online and you can have 24-7 of feeling forgotten, forsaken, ignored, not enough. But make no mistake, that happens at every phase of life, doesn't it? Some of us are in difficulties relationally. We, we might even feel tension with the people in our home and around us. We might have it in relationships that are near us. We might look at our careers or our financial portfolio or our debt load or add to the list a loss. It's the first season we've lost someone we love deeply. We're in the midst of a health crisis or even a diagnosis that is hopeless. And we go, we have many things that create times of desert life, don't we? And the beauty in this is Moses is saying and God's saying through him, God does something powerful in the desert. I don't know about you, and I don't long for it in my, my mind, but somehow life is better in the desert in some ways. And that's a bit of what we're going to find out here is what happens and what it means to place that with us as we move into places that aren't like that. The last thing I want you to see on this passage, this part of it, is just that he says he wants to know what's where in your heart. See, we confuse sometimes that if we behave a certain way or do the right things, that we'll kind of please God through our actions. It's kind of this moralistic look that Jesus died, he forgave us, and now we better live more moral, upright lives, which there certainly is a call to holiness. But let's not be misunderstanding. You understand we can't do that, right? Like on our own, we can't attain that. One of my favorite examples in the Bible, just seeing this, is Saul and David. They're both kings in Israel. And Saul actually performs pretty well as a king. And he has a few things that you go, he really blew it on these. But when you see David's list, it's like, oh my goodness, this guy's a mess. And here's the weird part. God looks at Saul and he goes, I see that he doesn't actually have the heart for me. He has the the mindset to do well and appear good. I see David who has a heart for me. And boy, the dude's a walking mess but I love walking messes that their hearts for me because it's the heart that matters, not kind of the behavioral part that if we do the right things, then God is pleased. He 
cares about what's inside of us. Which I, I will tell you for me, and, and this is, uh, I hope this is helpful to you, it's not even that I think I can change it, but I'm honest with God when my heart's a mess. God, I know I, want to, I should want this, but I don't. Will you just help me? Help me actually long for what's better. Help me to long for what's true. Because that's what you're going to find in the desert. We get to see what's true. We don't just long for it because we hope an outcome happens for us. So maybe in this 21 days, it'll be about your heart. Maybe I'll just be honest with God about your heart. I know I shouldn't want this. I don't. I want that. God, would you help my heart? And that's what he's saying is those times in the desert when you peel everything away, you find out who you really are and what's really in your heart. He continues. And probably gets to the centerpiece of this first week. He says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man, that humanity does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Um, now, Moses is only using this one example. But you need to know there were a lot of examples that happened while they're in the wilderness. The first one happens is they get stuck at the edge of the water. And they're like, Moses, you and God made it, so we're going to die because Egypt's coming and we have no way out. God parts the water and gets them through. He doesn't go, well, can't believe you're ungrateful. Boom, you're going down, picking other people. He lets them through. And they worship him out of it. And then they're so moved by it, after they get through there, that they go, God, I don't have anything to drink. Meh. The water here is bitter. Meh. And God changes the bitter water to a water they can drink, takes bitterness and makes it a good taste. I want you to see the pattern. The pattern is we have a tough time, we complain, God moves powerfully, and we forget. And we complain, and we have a tough time, and God moves in power, and we thankful, and then we forget. Like this is the pattern, and that leads us to the manna, which we'll come back to. But the manna is the idea that now they don't have anything to eat either. And God basically goes, I'm going to give you something you've never had before. When you get up, basically there's going to be this sweet kind of bread. We don't even, you know, manna just means what is it? Isn't that a great name? And we have something we ate. I don't really know what it is. Let's call it, what is it? Let's just call it, what is it? Hey, God, thanks for the what is it. I just love that. It's so simple. Let's not call it sweet bread. Let's call it, I don't know, what is it? What is it? So they get this, what is it? And God provides it for them. And then he gives them clarity and direction. Listen, every day, just pick up enough for that day. And then because he's been communicating to them about Sabbath, about resting, he says on the sixth day, get two days worth. And any time they take too much, it gets cruddy and gets maggots. That is a whole crazy thing in its own we won't get into. But the picture is very simple. Dependence. God's going to give you enough for today. And he's going to give you enough for tomorrow. And he's going to give you enough for the next day. And then if you thought you couldn't actually take a day of rest, he's going to give you a double portion that day so you can. Which, side note, no extra charge. We are in the time that we should have the most benefits and the easiest time taking a day of rest. And we stink at it. Tell me that's not a faith issue. Go ahead, tell me. Give it a shot. No, I'm just kidding. Don't really, but... It's a powerful picture. Now, this goes on and on. He uses manna as it because it's a very important piece. And we're going to come back to this. In fact, we'll look at it with Jesus because then he says this simple thing. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, Jesus actually uses this when he's in the wilderness for 40 days, which is a parallel to this whole narrative. And when that devil says to him, hey, you're hungry, cause that 
stone to become bread, Jesus cites this passage. Hey, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that's its own picture, but I want to take you to another picture that I think gives the fulfillment of this and points to the larger issue at play here. So in John chapter 6, it's one of the four accounts of Jesus' very walking of the earth, his dying and rising. There's a moment here where he's with all these people and they don't have food. It's told in some of the other accounts too. And basically, he gets them all together and he takes a very small amount of food and supernaturally it becomes enough to feed them all. You get the picture. That is manna. He basically provides for their needs with something they couldn't have on their own. Now, in this moment, they are so taken by it, they want to forcibly make him king. And I want to be clear, they want him to be king because they want a future where they get what they want. I want you to hear the motive in it. They get what they want. In other words, they're stuck on the food. Jesus even says later, you came to me, because they then follow him across the lake. They find a way to it, at the sea. They basically say, we want more of you. And he says, you only came because you got your stomachs filled. In other words, the danger is that when God provides for us physically, we think I only want him to provide what I ask for. Two pictures. Just as they wanted him to be king, they ultimately want him to be king so they can be kings and queens. And then the other side is they want him to provide physically because we've made this our expectation. As long as we're taken care of and we're comfortable and life goes well, then we have what we want. Now in John 6, it's one of the saddest sections in all of the Gospels. Because Jesus then says, God gave you manna from heaven during this time, and your ancestors still died. I am manna. It wasn't Moses. God brought it and bringing it through me. I'm your life. You have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And he means you are centered on me at the center. I am the very source. I am the very outcome. I'm the very thing you want, not what I give you. And guess what many of them say? No thanks, and they walk away. When I read that passage, it's one of the biggest aches of my heart. Like the people, when they found out Jesus was saying, I'm actually better than the things you want, they said, nah, we'll take this stuff. See, I think in this moment, Moses is trying to tell them it's not just that God provides, it's that who he is, his word, his presence, his life, his love, his very essence is what you want. It's greater than your need, than your greatest need. And I'm so taken by that because I think that's at the core of what he's wanting us to put in that trunk. Let me continue as he gives even further image to this and further explanation. He now gives them a picture of it too. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet didn't swell during these 40 years. <laughs> when, I, when I read this, all I could think of is as a kid, uh, we, had, we had jeans. They were usually Levi's or tough skins or something. And you know what? When you're a kid, where do your pants wear out? Typically the knees, right? They all get torn up and they get worn out. So you, they made patches back then. So basically it's like, oh, the clothes were out. We'll put them in here and make a patch. And then they, you know, they had all sorts of things to try and extend the life of them. I love what we do today. We actually tear them on purpose and we say it's fashionable. Yeah, they're going to wear out anyway. Let's put some holes in them. Then they don't feel like they wear out. That's just how they are. All I could picture was their clothes don't wear out. Like that's a crazy thing. Kids wear out. I wear out clothes and I'm not even a child. Well, I am in some ways. And then when I kept reading about your feet not swelling, all I could think of it said your feet don't smell during these 40 years. I thought, that ain't true. Our feet smell after 10 days. Now that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? In essence, what he's saying is the swelling happens from dehydration, all things God provided in such a way that your basic needs were met. 
even in the desert. And then he says, know then in your heart, inside of you, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And we're very clear, this discipline is his direction, his provision, and his correction. See, discipline comes in all sorts of ways. Part of it is direction, part of it is provision, and part of it is correction. And what he's saying is in the desert, when you peel everything else back and you let yourself sit in a place of need and dependence, you will actually discover where you need direction, where you need provision, and where you need correction. And isn't that what we want to be as parents? God says, I'm the same way. I taught you in that place where everything else peeled back. Something happens in the desert that doesn't happen in the land of promise. And let's be clear because while we may have circumstances that feel desert, like most of us live in a land of promise. Most of us are self-advancing, self-promoting, and just downright selfish. Don't we look and say, as long as I move ahead well, and we might be noble and even help others, but oftentimes that's in order to make sure our life keeps moving ahead well. There's something powerful in this, something powerful in the desert. And make no mistake, it's our hearts that can get changed in this. It's not our behavior. Behavior follows what happens in the heart. And then he takes it to a close here. Observe the commandments of the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to him and revering him. In case you're not clear, this is the object. You want to know who we're moving towards? It's to him and it's revering him. In other words, our focus in this is not what he gives us. It's discovering who he is. And the more we know who he is, the more we want to worship and follow and love and serve. Because make no mistake, anything you fight for in your own land of promise will never deliver what you think it will. I want to give you a picture of this that I love. It's how Deuteronomy starts. In Deuteronomy 1, Moses describes uh, basically God this way. He says he's like a parent that when he took us out of Egypt, he carried us like a parent carries their baby, carries their kid. And I want, I want to be clear, that's dependence in case you don't know. Like it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but what he's saying here is you can't observe, you can't remember. Those two words always go together, by the way. When it comes to these things, you remember and you observe. You remember it, you walk it out, and you observe, you follow. But you do it with a God who's a father to you that carries you and helps you. In other words, we learn dependence to actually need him to help us. Isn't that crazy? You want to know what happens in the desert? We learn that we need him every step of the way. But we also learn that he actually is the best thing he gives us. And the crazy part is the land of promise often offers all sorts of distractions that keep us from actually discovering it. And so I want you to picture it this way. This is just a little jar of sand. And I think what Moses is saying, what God's saying through him is, listen, I want you to take this desert places and I want you to put them in your trunk. And I want you to carry them with you wherever you go. And I want you to take them out. And I want you to find desert places in your life again and again and again. Because in the desert, you'll find Jesus in ways you never have. It, it is so powerful to me. In one of the gospel accounts, it describes Jesus in the wilderness, in the desert, these 40 days. It's 40 days of temptation he goes through. 
The very same word that gospel writer uses for wilderness is the word he uses every time Jesus goes to get away. It's a wilderness. It's a wilderness. It's a wilderness. It's a desert. In other words, Jesus is giving us a picture of how you find places, find little desert places to discover who God is in the day-to-day life you live. That's what we're supposed to take with us. That's what we begin into these 21 days. It's simply this. We find desert places. We want to find desert places to become dependent on Jesus. In other words, you and I need to find places that are our own little deserts in order to change who we are. I want to say it this way. There is a challenge and there's an invitation. The challenge is this. You and I live in a world in a world that's trying to acculturate us, that is a world based on ourselves, on power, on self-promotion, and on doing and getting what we want the way we want. And just like I watched my grandparents slowly lose the culture they were a part of to be assimilated into the culture they were, what God is telling Israel, and I think what he's telling us is, no matter what you think about where we live, it's its own culture. And make no mistake, it's like any land of promise. And if you and I do not find ways to live in the desert, to find desert places where we discover Jesus, we will become, in our own circumstance, losing the very things God wants to give us. See, we have to find places, find desert places to become dependent on Jesus. I love one author who says it this way. He says, brokenness is basically discovering that God is all that we have. See, the desert in brokenness, we find out, and he's all that I have. I don't know what else to cling to. But then he says, hope is discovering God is all that we need. That's a movement in the desert. And I love the last one. Joy is discovering he's all that we want. See, the desert doesn't just teach us to find him in our brokenness. It doesn't just teach us to find him as a source of hope. It teaches us to find him as the joy of life. Come on, that's amazing. And I want to learn that more. I want to discover it more. So here's what we're inviting you to do. In these 21 days ahead, we're trying to help you to create some desert spaces. And there's three things that we're inviting you in particular to participate that really work together. It's one thing with with two parts that join it. So it's it's this. This is actually on our website. It's allshores.org slash 21. And if you click over here on the right, this prayer log, what we're asking you to do is to commit to 20 minutes every day over 21 days that you will pray, that you'll simply create a desert space. And so all you'll do is you'll sign up. We're not, we just want to know and we want to cheer you on and we'll be praying for you. You sign up for whatever time works for you, but you're saying for 21 days, I'm going to give 20 minutes of finding some desert space to be with God. That's what we're asking you to do. Whether you can sign on online, we'd really like you to so we can cheer you on. The next thing we're asking you to do is participate with us. During this 21 days, we came up as a leadership with three specific church-wide needs that we have. And if you click this button for the three church-wide prayers, you'll see what those are. And we're asking you, would you join us in it? Could we ask together that God would do something that we can't do on our own? That's what we're asking. Would you pray with us? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it quietly and see if you want to do this or not. Would you commit to praying with us for 21 days for these three areas? Wow. I love it. Can you imagine what God might do? But let me give you a second step in it. What if you pick three things on your own? 
Or he said, here's three prayers I need. And, and here's the part to me that we get mixed up in. We often make prayer something that we think we can do and we just need a little boost or a little help. In other words, we tend to pray for things we think might happen. I want you to pick three things you know you can't do. Here's the only thing. Please don't make them things that make your land of promise better. I'm not interested in us trying to find things that create wealth and comfort and ease. I'm interested in us praying for things that change lives, that offer hope where there's hopelessness, that help brokenness and find true joy. Can you think of three things you'd pray for just for 21 days and what God might do? And then here's the last thing. We do have a guide to help you in this. It isn't go through these specific areas, but we have a 21 days of prayer challenge. Uversion put this out as a 21-day uh, plan. If you don't have Uversion, the app, that's what you'd need. It, you can go to Bible.com. It also has this there. And you'll look for this plan. If you click the button on our website, it'll take you there too. And it's just a very short devotional. And what it has is it has 21 kind of aspects of prayer that you'll go through. It'll, it'll expand your view of what it means to be with God. And each day it gives you a small little thing to work on or engage into. We're asking you to take all three of those steps. And really, this is your 20 minutes, and these are the two things we're asking of you during them. Make sense? That's a place to just begin to build this wonderful place of the desert. We also have at each campus, and we'll have this on each Sunday, in the lobbies we have uh, an area that says prayers an area that says gratitudes. And we want you to come in each week, and you don't have to even identify yourself. Just write down. You can write on a post-it note. Here's a prayer request I have right now. Here's a thing I'm dealing with. And then when you have gratitudes, we'll get into this next week in the text, but gratitude will be a major important part of how we look at this 21 days too. What can you be grateful for? I, I think about it when they were in the desert. Like, can you imagine the things they had to be grateful for? God, thank you that you took bitter water when I couldn't drink and you provided it. God, thank you that my shoes still fit. Thank you that my clothes have, thank you that I actually have something to eat today. I mean, what if we started having that kind of posture? What might change too? I want to pray for us, but I want you to hear it again. Some of us are at brokenness, and we need to find out that God's all we have. Some of us are at a place of lacking hope, and we didn't know that he's all that we need. And some of us, all of us at one point want to get to a place where we discover he's all we want. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. I'm going to guide us through a prayer, maybe in each of those categories, and see what God might be leading you into. So Holy Spirit, I ask now that you'd speak. Even as I pray and guide us, would you speak to each person as they listen? Would you make it a clear thought, a clear understanding, even a sense of peace or conviction, or you're saying this is for you? So today, if you're in a place of brokenness, when I've been trying to do this thing on my own, I didn't even know or didn't fully understand that God not only came in the flesh, that Jesus not only died, he died for my sin to forgive and then give me new life out of it to walk with me and help me. And all you have to say is, Lord God, I'm broken. I have sin and messes I could never fix and I don't know how to get out of this. And you just say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and your love. And Holy Spirit, fill me fresh and help me to begin to discover who you are and lead me. And I think some of us here today have lost hope. And maybe it's just, Lord, I, I look at my circumstances and I don't know the way through or the way out. And it could be as simple as would you give me what I need, not just what I want. And help me to trust you in it. 
And then finally, for some of us, maybe our faith has often felt obligatory. It's going, Lord, I don't just want to know you as the one who helps and I'm to follow. I want to find you and the joy of knowing you. So would you begin to reveal the joy of who you are and the fulfillment you bring? Would you begin to help me see that the other things I cling to will never give what only you can? And would you actually turn my heart? God, I I can't make my heart change. Would you turn my heart to want you and find joy in you? And then finally, Lord, I pray you'd meet us in these 21 days. They will be sacred to us alone and together and everywhere in between. I am praying that we would find places in the desert that we discover and depend on you. I pray this in your name. Amen. When we finish the teaching, we always try to give a little bit of time to sit in it. So you're actually going to stand in it, but many of you stand and we're going to worship. And we believe as we sing, as we, even the words we sing, and even supernaturally, God tends to reveal himself. So you be listening and attentive, and we'll celebrate communion as part of that too as we worship together.
invite you to be seated just for a few moments. In our tradition and in the life of the church for all of its history, we've always celebrated communion together. It's the very centering activity that we engage in our dependence on Jesus. He is our flesh and blood. He is our life and our hope. We want you to know communion is not closed if you don't are a member here, but we do want you to know we want you to be pursuing Jesus. We don't want you to have to participate in something that's a religious routine you don't believe in. But you're welcome as you desire and want. I'll remind you, the top of the little cups you got have the bread in the very top piece, and then the bottom is the very drink, the image of his blood for us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, and it's given for you. (laughs) I have entered the wilderness of humanity and I have lived a sinless life to not just forgive you, but to offer life in all that you go through from brokenness to hope to joy. Let's take of his body. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. (laughs) Isn't it a joy to know God carries us from death to life. You and I cannot work our way out of it, find our way to a promised life or land on our own. We must be forgiven and carried, and that's a sweet drink we take stuff. Let's take the cup together. Oh, and Lord, I'm asking sacredly as we enter this 21 days that you would be present with us in ways we may have missed and not been even looking for. Would you create deserts for us that help us call out and cry out? And would you let us know that you hear us and love us in your name? Amen. Let me invite you to stand and we're going to bring a a conclusion through this song as we finish it.
give you a blessing in just a minute. And I want to, even as we were singing, I was thinking, what an aspect to go in with confidence into 21 days. We have a faithful, loving, merciful, powerful, providing God. I want to carry that as we get into the desert of our own lives. Let him work and move and ask him to intervene and change things. That is a great journey we're on for these 21 days, isn't it? So I want to give you a blessing. And I, if you are, I do want to tell you too, if you're a guest today, uh, we do have this guest reception over in the West Building right following. We'd love to have you join us for that. Let me have you place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. Oh, may he give you beautiful oasises of desert places. And in those deserts, may he meet you. May he love you. May he transform you. And may he move in such a way that your heart is drawn to him more and more that you live from there. For his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.